0: Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days.
1: Dairy farming in the U.S. certainly varies by region. Weather patterns, altitude, resources, and government all play a role in the successes and challenges that dairies face across the nation. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. I'm visiting with dairyman Brad Bateman. He co-owns Bateman Mesita Farms in Alberta, Utah with his family. They're about an hour south of Salt Lake City. We talk about some of those obstacles in dairy farming out west, but first he tells me about his farm.
0: So we farm about 3,500 acres, we milk 8,000 cows three times a day, and uh, we have a robot, we have a new robot facility, uh, 12 robots, we're milking about 620 cows there. So we're, we're a little diversified in that, we're checking out the robot um, situation and seeing if it's viable on, on a larger scale, so we're excited about that.
1: And it's not just dairy, you also are growing your own feed, correct?
0: We do. We farm, as I said, 3,500 acres. We double crop. We grow corn and small grains. So we do wheat, barley, triticale, those, and, and silage everything. We chop everything.
1: And I'm sure on your wall of awards, there's one that notes you guys as a leader in sustainability that you won a few years back. Why don't you tell me about the conservation practices you have on farm?
0: We live in a, in a windy of a light soiled area, so we have to double crop, no-till, and do some of those things to keep uh, to keep the soil healthy and to keep the wind from moving, blowing the, the, the soil and doing things like that. That's one of the things we do. We do solar. We have a solar farm that produces about 100% of our electricity needs on a daily basis and that's been, a, that's been a good project. We thought it would be maybe a seven or eight year payoff, and it's already paid itself off in less than five years, so we like that, that was a good project. And then, you know, we reuse water. Water is out in the west, water is a big issue. It's hard for Midwest people to understand what a big deal water is, but we are so short of water out, out west, especially in Utah, we're at the epicenter of that drought. And uh, we have not had the snowfall and, and the runoff that we usually get to fill our lakes and reservoirs, and so it's been very difficult.
1: Kind of along those lines, ahead of this interview, you said sustainability to you meant profitability, and you, you mentioned you have seen a return on investment on those practices. Do you want to elaborate more on that?
0: Yeah, and, and so just, uh, well, going back to the, to the uh, solar farm, just in the in the five years that we've had the solar farm, we've saw three rate rate hikes and and so that's that's been a good feeling to know that we made a right decision. sometimes as dairy farmers we we're, we're often concerned about are we making the right decision is this there there's so many places to put your your capital that you have to decide where's the best return on that investment? and and like all things um, that's that's how we uh, how we look at everything through the lens of of is it going to give us a good return Um, as far as sustainability goes you know we reuse water we flush and and we use it multiple times until we put it out on the fields and so that's a great resource for us because it's all of those Um, nutrients that the crops need and and yet we're cleaning our krells with the water and so it's worked really well for us and uh, that's just a few of the the things that we do.
1: I heard one gentleman ask if you've ever thought about getting into the carbon credit space or if that's a conversation that's being had amongst you or your neighbors.
0: We have talked about that and we we're not sure what direction that's going to go we think there's a lot of possibilities there. And and so that is definitely something that's on our radar and we're considering and uh, We're not sure who or where but we're, we're in those conversations. Yes.
1: Now. I want to talk about some of those challenges you laid out earlier just uh, Weather and and things that we just don't think about here in the Midwest from, from weather to water What are some of those things you have to think about?
0: I believe that the climates have always changed you know how what what role man has in all of this who knows some people want to exaggerate that and and make money off it and push their own agendas but we know that climates have changed our climate is changing in Utah to a certain extent we're in a severe drought and with that we have had stronger winds and longer winds we usually get wind in the spring and through the summer, and, and they have been, you know, 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds, where those were rare, we, see to, we seem to see those quite often. And so how we manage our feed and our commodities, we're, we're considering building an indoor feed facility to lock that down so, so our feed's not blown away to reduce our shrink. And we think there's a great return on that, on that uh, investment.
1: And then pressures on the water, as you outlined earlier, which you are putting in uh, another well.
0: Yes, we are adding another well, so we don't have to rely on the lake for so much of our water. And uh, that's going to be a good move, and we have the water rights to do that. Out in the West, we have to have a water right. It's not just the water. You can't just drill a drill a hole in the ground and pump water, you have to have a water right to do that. And so we've, we've uh, procured those rights and, and we're available to do that.
1: Is heat ever an issue in, in Utah?
0: Uh, yes. We had the hottest uh, summer on record in Utah this summer. We, we had so many days over 100. I can't remember where we ended up. It was 30-something days over 100 where 20 years ago we might have one or two days over 100 or none we had many summers where we were in the mid you know the highest we ever got was in the mid 90s now we have multiple days we had 108 which is unheard of in utah we're we're fairly high altitude and we're we're in the mountains so we wouldn't think that we would have that kind of heat
1: does altitude have an impact on milk production at all
0: good question or I, like that I, you know <laughs> I am I am not sure about that but okay. I mean, but we we know that altitude has an impact on 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 weather and on uh, frost free days and, and some of the crops that you can grow especially when it comes to corn some of those hybrids
1: you know as you see these pressures um, whether it's inflationary whether it's weather is cattle liquidation or cattle movement out of the state I mean is that something that you have your eye on or is that stories that you're hearing? hearing from other dairy farmers in that area
0: yeah and that's the that's the sad reality of of a lot of this um, because of water because of of low milk prices we've had uh, many dairy farms exit the business and a lot of those are our friends and that's that's sad that's been really sad to see some of these people leave the business but it's uh, again sustainability is profitability and when you're not profitable, you, you can't continue to do what you do. And so that's the sad part of it.
1: What policy is happening in Utah that farmers are watching or proposing regarding farming or even the National Farm Bill?
0: Yeah, I, I think there needs to be a move towards we, we milk a lot of cows but we have a lot of family involved. And when we see policy that tries to protect small producers over large producers, it's all, it's all money, our cost of productions are similar. And I, th- I think there's, there's always been a movement to try to divide dairy farmers from large to small. And, and I don't like that. I think all dairy farmers should be treated equally. And uh, you know, I would hope that uh, National Milk and and the Farm Bill could move more in that direction, because uh, you know where some of these small dairies can make a lot of money off it. It's just it's pennies to us, and and there's times when we when we need that help and we need that money, and so hopefully something can move in, in into that direction, and then you know water policy. I know that's more of a local issue. But uh, the drought is is very difficult, very difficult. Hay in Utah is is three hundred fifty to four hundred dollars, and and it's it's unsustainable, really, these these feed prices.
1: And your fam- this is a multi generational family farm. Remind us again, how many generations are farming on it, and what do you hope uh, for those future generations?
0: Yeah, so the fifth generation is coming in, and. Uh, hopefully they can, they'll survive this. I mean, you adapt and overcome, right? That's what we do as dairy farmers. And, and uh, I think they'll be fine. But I, I yeah, I'm I'm worried about, uh, you know, several things. Uh, the, these inflationary times, feed costs, there's a lot of things that, that do and could keep you up at night.
1: Brad Bateman joining us from Alberta, Utah, speaking about the triumphs and challenges on his family's dairy farm out west and adding how policy at the local or national level could help the next generation continue dairying. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.